Hello, and welcome to Real Talk. I'm Susan Raff, and today we are going to talk about something that has never happened before, and that is an historic lawsuit filed against Remington, the gun company uh, that many of you have heard about uh, involved in making the AR-15s. And uh, this lawsuit was brought about by Sandy Hook families after the tragedy uh, in 2012. And this is significant in many ways because gun companies have broad immunity. Uh, and this was brought about by the family. So joining us is Poe Murray from the Newtown Action Alliance to talk about the significance of the lawsuit. We heard uh, from the families uh, this week, uh, very emotional, certainly. Yeah. Well, thank you, Susan, for having me on to discuss this um, historic uh, settlement. Um, but first, I want to say that my heart is with the families um, from Sandy Hook, um, because no amount of settlement dollars will ever bring back their you know, children and their lost loved ones. Um, but this lawsuit has given hope to other survivors and other families who have been impacted by gun violence that they, too, will get their day in court. Right. And I know the amount of the lawsuit is $73 million. I don't know what was uh, originally uh, requested. Uh, but I think people know that may seem like a lot of money, but it's never enough to bring back uh, all the children and educators who lost their lives tragically on that day. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, I wanted to bring people up to speed. I mean, the Newtown Action Alliance, you've supported the families, but you were created or you created uh, this organization to bring about change with gun laws and the culture of guns in our society. Tell me about that. Yeah. So um, on December 14, 2012, my neighbor shot and killed the 20 children and six educators. And at that point in time, um, I did not realize that um, our gun laws in this nation was so weak. And I didn't realize that there were 310 million civilian owned guns at the time. And I didn't realize that weapons of war could be sold um, to civilians. And things have gotten worse um, since then. Um, we now have 400 million civilian owned guns and gun deaths have increased from 33,000 back in 2013 to 45,000 a year. And more and more guns are being sold ever than ever before. And we really do have an epidemic of gun violence in this nation. And so we've been fighting. We've been fighting really hard um, to pass federal legislation um, to end all forms of gun violence. And we've been advocating for a set of comprehensive gun laws to do that, including passing assault weapons ban. And more recently, we've been fighting really hard to pass Ethan's law, which uh, requires gun owners to lock up their guns when children are around which is very close to the hearts of Kristen and Mike Song, who helped to lead um, the passage of Ethan's Law in Connecticut. So nine families who lost loved ones on that tragic day at Sandy Hook Elementary filed this lawsuit two years after the tragedy. It was an uphill battle, many thought. Why do you think it was successful? What convinced the judge uh, to have this, especially when the gun companies, you can't sue them. They have immunity. Well, yeah. So they have a 
broad immunity um, from a law that was passed in 2005. It's called the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. And it was signed into law by President George Bush. In fact, in 2005, it was the NRA and the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the gun industry's uh, priority bill for that year, because what they wanted to do was have the gun industry be shielded from civil liability for the use of their dangerous, dangerous products. But thankfully, in Connecticut, there is a law called the Connecticut Unfair Trade Practices Act, which is a consumer protection law that allowed the Sandy Hook families to pursue this lawsuit. So there are some exceptions to PLACA and, um, you know, the families and the lawyers um, decided to pursue it, um, you know, due to the protections under the Connecticut law. Right. And it's my understanding that a big focus of this lawsuit was on how these weapons, particularly the AR-15s, are being marketed. Right. Yes. How they're and and to to who to to young men uh, in a way that I mean, describe that. I mean, I you know, I, I haven't seen many. I have to tell you, I haven't seen much of the uh, the marketing, but I have seen some of it and it seems a little bit of aggress- aggressive, but it was enough to push this case over the finish line. Absolutely. Um, so Remington, um, you know, owned Bushmaster and then a private equity firm ended up buying the um, Bushmaster um, called Cerberus. But anyway, um, they allowed this um, gun maker to uh, market these weapons of war to young people, right, in video games. And in fact, their marketing scheme included um, suggesting that you wouldn't be issued a man card unless you owned an AR-15. Um, so, um, you know, that contributed to um, what happened in Sandy Hook. And I think it was, you know, proven with that, you know, without a doubt. But what's different? I mean, so you can say, you know, many video games, uh, you know, are marketed and violent. But, uh, you know, are the video games responsible for creating that type of behavior that someone is going to want to go out and get a gun and kill somebody? It's um, not the video games, but the gun. No, I'm using the argument. Here. I'm using the argument like just say with video games in general, any other uh, product that's being sold. Uh, it's ultimately the the person's responsibility, right? So, you know, uh, video games are, um, you know, the NRA and the Republicans, they always um, uh, distract, you know, from the issue of guns and blame other things like mental illness or video games, et cetera. Um, Other nations like Japan and South Korea, they have mental illness. They have violent video games, but they do not have the number of mass shootings that we have in America. Um, it's, it's about the guns and the access to weapons of war in this country. And that's right. why we're fighting. Really well, they hard find that to... with dom- domestic violence, that in a home where there is dom- mm-hmm. domestic violence, if there's a weapon in the home, it's many times more likely that someone is going to get hurt or killed because that gun is accessible. That's right. That's right. If you have a gun in the home, um, the risk of homicides increase you know, by two times and the risk of suicides increased by three times. What about some will say that, you know, why, you know, then why not do more with mental illness? You know, people have a right to buy guns. Companies have a right to um, 
market their product the way that they seem fit, why not address more with mental illness? Because not everybody is going to get a, a semi-assault weapon and, and killing people. Well, I think there is a misconception out there that um, it's all, you know, mentally ill, you know, that's um, killing everyone in this nation with a gun. But in fact, um, only 4% of violent crimes are committed by uh, people with mental illness. And and those who have mental illness are often victims of crime. So I think we have to remember that. you know, what's egregious about what Bushmaster did was that they specifically targeted um, young men with mental illness with this camp- campaign um, to sell more AR-15s. And that's why, you know, the insurance companies um, that uh, uh, worked with Bushmaster um, ended up uh, settling with the families because they recognized that fact. What will happen to this $73 million that uh, the families won? I actually don't know the details of that. And like I said, you know, no amount of money can bring back their loved ones. And part of the lawsuit also requires Remington to share thousands of pages of documents. Do you know about that? I mean, is that on how they market their product? Absolutely. And that was the um, main goal, I think, for the families to um, get access to those documents, you know, during the discovery phase. And um, yesterday, uh, I spoke to Josh Koskoff and the family's attorney, and um, he um, told us that he's going to be sharing all those documents publicly so that we can learn from it. The gun manufacturers can learn from it. Other families who have been impacted by gun violence can learn from it, hoping that um, the gun manufacturers will become more responsible and open the door for other survivors um, to get their day in court. I would imagine the other gun companies or manufacturers are paying very close attention to this. Do you think it's going to change the way that uh, they market their products and the way that they do business? I would hope so. I hope that this is a wake up call for them. But given what I've seen recently, um, I'm not certain. Uh, The National Shooting Sports Foundation uh, holds a SHOT Show every year in Las Vegas. They've allowed ghost gun manufacturers to showcase their products um, at their uh, uh, industry trade show. They've also allowed a company called We Tactical to showcase JR-15s, which are the same type of AR-15s that were used to kill those 20 children in Sandy Hook Elementary School that are made for little children, we little children. Um, So I am hoping that um, this uh, settlement sends a chilling effect um, in the industry, but I think it's going to require Congress passing um, a bill to repeal PLACA and Senator Blumenthal and Senator Murphy and Adam Schiff from uh, California have a bill to repeal that law to allow more and more families to um, uh, sue the sue the industry. I just want to circle back with that. Are you saying that uh, a gun is being manufactured to kill young children? Is that what? Um, what I'm saying is that the gun industry is 
um, egregious. Uh, and the National Shooting Sports Foundation, which is a trade organization for the gun industry, um, they are the you know second largest big uh, gun lobby in the country. They're they in stand, Newtown. Yeah, they're right in Newtown, three miles from Sandy Hook Elementary School, five miles from my home, and they are allowing irresponsible gun makers to showcase their guns at their trade show. Um, and this gun is called. JR-15, and it's an AR-15 made for children. So they are promoting and marketing weapons of war to small children. So it's like a kid's gun. Wow. Yes. It's sickening. I mean, it, it, it you know, it sickens me to think that little children, um, the age, same age as um, the Sandy Hook children would be able to get access to a uh, weapon of war. You know, nine years have gone by. These kids would be teenagers, you know, and I've met many of the families as you have. I remember Nicole Hockley, whose son Dylan died that day. And for, for a couple of years, you know, it was very hard for her. You could see that she she wasn't quite present in life, but she really has turned things around with the Sandy Hook Promise, uh, helping thousands of children all over the country and educators kind of identify kids in the school system who are having trouble, uh, you know, and hopefully that they won't become uh, the next problem uh, child or, or a mass uh, shooter. Uh, and, you know, I've said before, I mean, it's a terrible tragedy what happened in Newtown, but it has energized uh, so many of you, you included. I mean, you didn't lose necessarily a loved one, but what happened with your neighbor in your community. Uh, so this shows that um, I guess if you want to make change, you can. It takes a while, but it really energized the Newtown community. It, it really has. And um... I love the work that Nicole and Mark Barden are doing at Sandy Hook Promise. Um, you know, they're trying to uh, create a broad cultural shift and protect children. Um, and, you know, we need a multifaceted approach to tackle this issue. There are so many forms of gun violence, including everyday violence that we see in communities of color, um, gun suicides and unintentional shootings. Um, so it's really important that we tackle it from all angles. And you know, we're pushing it really hard on the federal level to make sure that Congress will pass the laws that we need. Um, and, um, you know, we have many other organizations that are pushing the cultural aspect of it. I know you and I have spoken many times about, you know, the promises in Washington or certainly the, um, you know, when uh, President Obama uh, was recently elected when he was elected and he tried so hard, uh, you know, through Congress, but now many years later, uh, but you always seem to be optimistic that we're going to get somewhere, uh, you know, and some would say it's not going to happen now. It's not happening, but I always hear this positive undertone from those who want more gun or sensible gun laws that there, there, there is hope and you're not giving up. No, we can't give up because our children, our families, our communities are not safe. We have more gun violence than ever before. Um, I was hopeful that we would have the changes that we needed uh, when uh, 20 children and six educators were gunned down senselessly in an elementary school. We thought we would see significant change. 
But at the time, most of Democrats um, were still very afraid of the NRA and the NSSF. But we've worked for the nine years to make gun violence prevention the political high ground. And we have more people who agree with us, you know, as evidenced by 90% of Americans supporting background checks, 80% of Americans supporting safe storage laws, up to 70% of Americans supporting assault weapons ban. So I know that Americans are with us. It's just a matter of electing the right uh, congressional representatives to, uh, to do what they need to do, to have the moral courage um, to save lives. Not an easy thing to do. And I know that, you know, states can do it on their own. Connecticut certainly uh, reacted swiftly, I think, right, not too long after the tragedy. But if not all states, if uh, all states don't go along with it, it's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, right, with pieces missing. That's right. And that's why we're pushing so hard on the federal level. But we work very closely with all the Connecticut you know, groups as well as other state groups and national groups to form a coalition so we can send that message to the federal government that we need to pass some sweeping laws to start saving lives. Gun violence prevention should not be a political issue. The NRA and the NSSF made it so. Um, it's, it's a public health, public safety issue. And I know that we're going to get there. Uh, and um, as evidenced by the insurers who um, settled with the families, they recognize that uh, doing business with gun manufacturers of weapons of war is not a good business decision. So we're hoping that more and more insurers and bankers and others will engage and make socially responsible decisions to help us end the gun violence crisis. Paul Murray from the Newtown Action Alliance. I want to thank you for joining us on Real Talk. And um, we hope to have you back again. Thanks so much. Thank you for sharing. And please give our best uh, to yourself and to all the families. I know this has been a long struggle. It has been. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.